To go from ServiceNow admin to certified master architect is an incredible journey. Our guest today shares his insights on how he made that happen and why. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow developer podcast. Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and curious individuals. And of course, I always say that with the utmost love and respect for you, 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 and you. And and you, yes, you listening in the back. Welcome to or welcome back to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow developer podcast, where we bring you the latest tools, tips, and tradecraft to accelerate your career. My name is Chuck Tomasi. I am a senior developer advocate here at ServiceNow, and I am joined by the one, the only, the lovely, the smart, the creative senior developer advocate, Lauren McManaman. How are you, Lauren? I'm doing great, Chuck. How are you? Happy holidays. <laughs> You live for those intros, don't you? I do. It's a nice warm up for my day. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have another special guest with us today because in this episode, we are going to talk to Chris Shu, who is an independent consultant, and he's also taken on the title ServiceNow Magician. How are you today, Chris? I'm doing great, Chuck and Lauren. Thanks for having me today. And I'm sure by ServiceNow Magician, you don't mean you just wave your hands and like, flows appear or something. Oh, absolutely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Breakpoint. Before we get started, let's do a little intro. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, I began my ServiceNow journey in January 2017. I was working in a company and they had a customer that was migrating ev all of their legacy systems into ServiceNow. Uh, so from there, I moved through the admin and developer journey. And I became a technical consultant in 2018 at a boutique um, ServiceNow partner known as Wirefire at the time. Wirefire then got acquired by KPMG Canada in 2020, and that's when I became a senior technical consultant. Uh, near the end of 2020, I started my own firm. And then just this year, about halfway through 2023, I became a certified master architect. So I was part of the January 2023 cohort, and I got the good news in June of 2023. Woohoo! Nice job. That's a, that's a heck of an investment. I'm just curious, what, what made you decide to strike out on your own? Um, I really enjoyed working for multiple partners doing different projects. So that was the main reason. And I was very fortunate to have uh, my first contract start right before the KPMG role ended. So in fact, I had landed one before I'd even, you know, served notice to KPMG and, and that way. So that was really the impetus for it. And, you know, I worked at KPMG, loved the people, loved what we were doing and knew that that kind of would give me the street cred for lack of a better term, to, to kind of branch out on my own. Uh, and I'm still running just a one-person shop. So this is just me, and, and that's all that I'm working on with my my firm. Well, one thing that we always like to ask our guests, it's getting to be one of our favorite questions, actually, is tell us a story about a time that you did something at work that you possibly thought you might have gotten fired for. And maybe if you did get fired, what did you learn from that story? Do you have an example for us? Uh, yeah, I do have a, actually a couple examples. So it was hard to pick for one, one of them, but I do have just one. And <laughs> I know that a lot of people kind of have this experience where they delete the wrong records and mine's kind of the opposite of that so it starts with me undeleting 
all of the records that I should not have. So I was looking for a fixed script on the community and I was going to run it in the dev instance and it had the word query misspelled. So I opened my glide record on the deleted records uh, table and then the word query was misspelled. Therefore, it returned every record. And in my fixed script, I Ooh. did, you know, wow, gr deleted record dot next. Uh, I was undeleting everything in there. So on a Friday afternoon, I, you know, created the fixed script, started to run it in the dev instance, and then went about my, you know, lovely weekend. When we get back Monday morning and everyone's saying all of their work is now being undone or has uh, been undone. So it's no. running all weekend and it still was going Monday morning, trying to undelete everything in that deleted records section. Long story, or I guess long story long, we we ended up having to contact ServiceNow support. Of course, they were there to help us through the journey. And we restored the dev instance from Thursday night's backup. Hey, nice. So we did lose all of the work on Friday. And we lost the Monday, Tuesday while we tried to figure it out and discover an action plan. Um, you know, it was a great learning experience. Fortunately, it was in dev. So it did not impact the production instance. And uh, also, fortunately, everyone was quite kind on on helping me learn from the mistake and make sure that we add a little extra technical governance on running those types of things. So, <laughs> and shout out to ServiceNow support for yes. for that nice little layup there, helping you all. Always, <laughs> yes, yes. That was back before you could do the request yourself. Oh, yeah. oh, fun stuff. And what did you learn? <laughs> I learned that uh, we should always have a second set of eyes uh, on these scripts. You know, now that you can kind of. The compiler will pick it up for you and highlight yeah. the mistake. So it didn't back then. So it was the second set of eyes. And what I also do now is every single fix script before I put anything into a while loop, I mm -hmm. just do uh write to the system log and do uh get rec row count and make sure I'm returning the right rows, the right number of rows. Very yeah. wise. That's a, a great debug statement. It's the like the only time I use get row yes, count is that's the only how, time I, I allow it. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's the only time I allow it through as well on on my code or anyone else's. All right, when you're not at work, hopefully not undeleting records. What do you enjoy doing? <laughs> uh, you know, I enjoy sports like hockey, football, tennis, and soccer. I also enjoy spending time with family and friends. So we we like to go out and do various things. Um, and trying new restaurants and new cuisines from different parts Ooh. of the world. It's one of my favorite things to do. Do you have a preference? <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I've, I've always been a big fan of any type of cuisine from Asia. So that type of food is, is always up my alley. And there's such a wide variety there, um, including South Asian food. So I'd say that. You gave us a little bit of a hint as far as your working history. What were you doing prior to even learning about ServiceNow? Well, my career starts way back in 1998, I believe. Uh, so I went to college and it was a co-op program. So they would place us for eight months and then we would go back to school for eight and, and so forth. But once I graduated college, then in 2000, I started my first developer job at a dot-com company. How'd that go? Oh, well, it eventually <laughs> became a dot-gone. There you know, you go. The, the classic bubble burst and, you know, we, we had a great idea, but they just couldn't make a go of it. And then once the, the investor money ran out, so did the company. Uh, from there, I went to Best Buy Canada and I worked in the help desk. And then after that, I actually had uh, a contract company that, uh, or a magic training company that I worked for as a, a contractor. So I would be in 
uh, some of their training videos. I did some of their customer service work. I was uh, also wrote a, and published a couple books through them. Uh, and then after that, I moved into the, uh, a provider that sold stock market data to the uh, TSX, Toronto Stock Exchange, and NASDAQ. And then I went into that request management role in, in about 2010, 2011 for that telecommunications company in Canada. And it was while at that company I first got exposed to ServiceNow. All right. I want to know, how did you get your start? In ServiceNow? Sure. We'll go with that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so like I had said, I was working at this telecommunications company in Canada and they had a customer uh, that was in the request management space and they were consolidating a bunch of applications into ServiceNow. And one of those applications was the request management system. So I did have a previous development background. So I was part of the team to build out a service catalog in ServiceNow. And that was my Ooh. first real experience with the platform. And then I still remember that first week or two, uh, I called my mom and I said, you know, this platform was going to be a large part of my career. And, you know, it was like we all struggled to explain what do you do and how do you do it and all those types of things. I kind of had that my first struggle conversation explaining what it was and what it could do and why I was so impressed with it. You know, I used to joke saying that this is military grade software that they somehow let slip out to the general public. So that's, that was uh, how I got my start in ServiceNow was that service catalog project. Very nice. Cool. Is there anything that you happen to like the best currently about your job? Now that you may, now you've had, you've worn all these different hats and now that you've kind of transitioned into this new role and this new future, is there something that you really like the best about it? I really enjoy the community collaboration and the, the support that everybody gives each other in the community. So I've been in certain, or different IT groups. And I've never seen a community as supportive as this one. One of the things that really helped me get through some of the next hops in the career that I, my career journey was that someone literally sat down with me and patiently explained and re-explained the same thing several times until I got it. And this has happened numerous times from numerous people. So thank you to every single person out there. I know I've thanked you personally multiple times. So if you hear this, you know, you know who you are, but uh, I, they always just asked, all you need to do is pay it forward. And that's what I really tried to do is also become that, that helpful person that can step in and provide either the technical career or just even the architectural guidance on getting people going on the right direction so that they can avoid the pitfalls of maybe copying and pasting a script and undeleting, you know, 7 million records. <laughs> <laughs> I love to see how that pattern is pretty common in the service now world. So it's it's so nice to be surrounded by so many altruistic people that really want mm -hmm. to see the community as a whole grow and get better. It's very cool. Yeah. And I always tell people you're never too early to start sharing your experiences in this career no. because there are a number of people that are also just starting. So let's all learn together from the beginning. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So how did you go from admin to CMA in six years? It was a lot of work. So I want to make sure that people know that they can do it. And I believe that you can do it. But at the same time, I want you to know that it was a lot of work. And at every stage of my career, I had a goal of the next stage. So when I was an admin, I, I had the goal of becoming a developer. And then when I was a developer, I wanted to either go to senior developer or consultant. 
And then when the CMA program was announced a few years back, I knew I wanted to complete that program or, or at least make an attempt to join it. Therefore, I started to adjust all of my career goals to help me move towards that CMA program. For example, there are certification requirements. So I started adjusting my learning plan so that I could work towards getting the minimum requirements for the CMA program. Because just like everybody who's starting out, at some one time, I had no certifications. So I had to work slowly towards building and learning them and then maintaining them. In addition to that, the CMA program has the requirement that you must lead five up to, you know, at least five um, large scale projects. So I started to ask to be the junior architect on projects, hopefully that getting me the experience so that I could then become the main architect for these programs and working towards that every single year is what what got me here. And it was a ton of work, I'll just say Many, many, many long hours. Hey, don't have to tell us twice. We've seen how much work goes into that program. It yeah. is astounding that anyone completes it. So again, mm-hmm. huge round of applause oh, for getting all that done. It's also a lot of work to get that application in. So if you're looking towards applying for CMA, I spent weeks doing my application, reviewing it, revising it. This was not something that I could just you know write out on a Sunday and then click submit. No. And I think they have a specific number of people that accepted the program, correct? Yes, that's true. Yeah. So Every cohort has a number. It's worth putting all that effort in. Well, tell me this. What was your motivation? Because that, that takes, like you said, it not only consider about considerable amount of work, but a lot of planning, kind of really getting multiple years worth of goals lined up. So what was your motivation for following that track in the first place? I had found a lot of times I was in a meeting and I knew the right thing to do, Mm. but I, I, you know, I knew the right way to implement it, the right approach, but I often lacked the ability to get the required buy-in. Now this can be related to communicating effectively with the C-suite or maybe a process owner or a manager or, or anybody else involved with, with that development. So The CMA program, I felt, would do two things. One, it would give me instant credentials so that my ideas would be listened to. And it does that. When you you come into any meeting and you announce you're a CMA and do a little blurb on what it is and how you got it, you do have instant credibility, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get automatic buy-in. So the program also helped me build additional communication skills to target those specific audiences and deliver a message that resonated with them and enabled me to get a higher chance of getting that buy-in. And I'll be honest, I don't always get it, but some, you know, it has improved drastically based on the training in the program and the credentials that come behind it. And then in addition to that, I, you know, I really do believe that we're all equal on that project team. So we succeed and fail as a team. If the business analyst doesn't you know, get effective business requirements, or if the developer doesn't successfully implement it, or if I don't architect the solution correctly or get the required buy-in to implement it across the organization, if any one of those points fails, then we all fail as a team. So therefore, I think that we are all equal. And I know that there's kind of a differentiation between Certified Technical Architect or CTA and CMA, and I see them as equals as well. I I see that we have different roles and that we play a different part in the projects that we implement. But again, 
we all have to succeed in our individual roles so that we can succeed as a team. And just for the audience and maybe also my own sake, can you describe the differences between the CTA and the CMA programs? Sure. So as of December in 2023, because these programs are changing often, the the Certified Master Architect program is a six-month program, uh, and you have a little bit of a higher level of requirements to be accepted, and it's cohort-based. So you have to submit an application, be accepted, and then you do a six-month program and take a board exam to to pass that. Uh, Their focus on this is looking towards aligning ServiceNow products to uh, address challenges, deliver outcomes, and measure them through KPIs. And we touch on every single aspect of the platform, every product, every supporting piece in the foundation, et cetera. And it's a lot focused on building that communication and transformation journey story to communicate to the C-suite and get that buy-in. The CTA is the Certified Technical Architect. And this is one where you just you apply and it's a you need a few fewer certifications and experience to get in, but you're more technical. So you would be doing the actual scoping you would be going through and and helping do these technical implementations and and be more hands-on so those are the main differences uh, between them in my opinion and you know if you really are interested in still remaining hands-on keyboards then you're wanting more cta in my opinion and if you want to do more presentation and strategic guidance or advisory then you probably want to lean more towards the cma program and there's some people that have both so you can do both. Overachievers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And here I was thinking the CTA was the Chicago Transit Authority and the CMA was the Country Music Awards. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> now, we introduced you as the ServiceNow magician. How did you find a way to combine your technical side of ServiceNow with the artistic slash creative side of magic? During the, the first week of the CMA program, so there's a kickoff week that happens in Santa Clara, so we all got to go to the offices and, and see everything there. I, I kind of noticed some overarching themes in the presentation. So magic is a lot about presentation and successfully delivering service now solutions. It, that involves a lot of presentation skills as well. So I kind of saw there was some parallel things and that you could illustrate certain themes with uh, magic tricks. So previous experience has me, you know, familiar with a, a, being able to build a stage magic show and, and align it to certain themes and tell a story overall. And when we kind of got to the now value framework, there's those four stages, envision, create, validate, and champion. I kind of already had tricks that I knew how I could perform that would illustrate those, those themes. And then also be able to tie them into a, uh, almost, well, I guess it's a combined magic show and PowerPoint presentation to walk someone through the now value journey and then illustrate the fun parts of the stages with a trick. We're going to have to hook you up with Glenn Pinto. He's one of our uh, master technical curriculum creator, director, something. He's in our training department, been there forever. Yeah. And he also incorporates magic into some of his presentations. Oh, does he? Oh, that's cool. See, I'm not the only one doing it. I love the idea. But I did get the first LinkedIn moniker. Oh, there you go. (laughs) He (laughs) got a hand in (laughs) thrown. 
Well, I always like talking to people that have these other existing passions outside of service now because oftentimes they bring other unique traits to the job as well. So have you noticed any attributes that you've taken from being a magician that have applied to your service now talents as well? Uh, yeah, I would probably say it's mostly the presentation skills. So I was very confident doing public speaking and being able to pace myself and not rush the pronunciation or enunciation of the words and get through all of that. Whereas other people that were perhaps uh, in in my program were more technical than I was and had more skills and experience on that side of things, they, they may needed to may have needed to work on the presentation skills a bit more. So, you know, we found that we we're all at different stages of the journey. We all had different current places where we were at in all of these different skill sets. And we kind of leveraged each other to, to accelerate and get, get better in the areas where we needed to. So I could help people out in the presentation skills. I could give them rehearsal pointers on things like that. And then they could come in and say, well, here's some of the successful architectures that we went through to deliver this product that I didn't know existed. There's some new products in service now that we learned about in CMA that I I was like, oh, that's that's neat. I'm glad we we learned about it. So, and it was also nice to be able to find a way to make things fun and entertaining while also enlightening. So, keeping that engagement with whomever you're conversing with is is a critical part because we, it's so easy to just check out and start doing an email when you're in some of these calls, especially if you're not on camera. Or, you know, sometimes you even see people like covering their mouths and I'm like, I know you're on another call and you've just muted me, but <laughs> so you're not getting away with anything, <laughs> but that keeping them entertained and enlightened and, and engaged in that conversation has worked tremendous, um, has been tremendous for me in getting to getting that critical buy-in that I need into to advance the project further. And there's nothing wrong with the occasional hand flourish either. That's true. Over here in the flow, we're going to create a task. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I can't even do it badly. <laughs> no. That's how bad it is. <laughs> That's jazz hands. <laughs> people on camera miss so much. Of that. <laughs> the blessing the and the curse are... of having audio only. <laughs> yeah, they, they miss so much. <laughs> uh, maybe someday we'll think about making this video, but not today. All right, moving on to the next question. What would you consider the highlight of your career so far? From like an overall perspective, I would say there's a few um, post-migration update emails that I got to send out saying we have successfully migrated to production and then having no issues come up in hypercare. So a couple of them were large projects that took, you know, eight or nine months to get through. We literally just had one that went live last week started in June. It was a very long uh, journey, but we went through methodically and we really worked closely with the client to make sure that everything that we were doing, especially because there was a lot of data that was being moved around, that everything was planned, tested, and clean. So in addition to building the logic and the functionality, we also did a data grooming exercise. And now, you know, their CMDB data is much, much, much cleaner and we even have a path to reuse some of the functionality should they need to do like a phase two data load or anything like that. So there's an operational handoff that happened. And that's probably been one of the big things so far, in addition to being a guest on this podcast, because I've been listening to this one Aww. since the beginning. Oh, wow. I have. Yeah. And got to set a new goal. 
(laughs) You know, every single time I've seen anything posted by either of you and and anybody else in the developer advocate world, it's been just fantastic. So I just want to say a huge thank you. You really unknowingly, Chuck, helped, you know, you taught (laughs) me Glide Ajax. Episode 33. I'm sorry about that. No, the way you broke it down, though, is the way that I kind of have used to teach it to other people. And then when they say, well, how do I do Glide Ajax? I just, they just get a link. And that's the only time I send a link. Just do this video. (laughs) Tech Now, episode 33. That's right. There you go. A consistent plug on this show. It's a good one. Well, speaking of overall improvement and continuous learning, what things do you do to continuously improve as well? You know, we've kind of talked about what is the highlights, but what are you doing to kind of carry you on even beyond, like help set the next bar? Uh, well, I always try to focus on learning something new every day. And I know that's kind of a cliche, but, you know, I'm looking towards always improving what I've either written in the past. So I go back and review old code or old implementations and look to say, now that I know what I know, would I do it differently? And often it is yes. And then I also try and become a better listener every day. Uh, I know that that's something that I kind of speak over top of people sometimes. So I'm trying to get better in that area. And then if I'm doing anything technical, I really try to focus on breaking it down to as, the simplest as I can get it um, into a tool and or platform agnostic language. So then I can focus on delivering those outcomes in ServiceNow using that most sustainable approach possible and based on all of my previous experience. So every single thing I try to build is better than the last. I try to use analogies whenever possible. Yes. Or metaphors. It, it, it just makes it a little more relatable. Of course, you have to know your audience and use the mm-hmm. right metaphors for whatever it is you're trying to represent. But it, it can be a bit abstract when you're dealing with technology. But to put it into a great example is when my grandmother, she was like 96 at the time, she asked me, what's the difference between hardware and software? And it's like, you know, that's a great question. Yeah. Well, I knew she was a piano teacher and I said, all right, pretend you've got a player piano. Okay, you can't change the keys. You can't change the strings. That's the hardware. Mm-hmm. But that scroll with the holes in it, you oh. can change that. And that tells the hardware what to do. So the scroll is your software. It's a program. It's a set of instructions to run in an order. And the piano is your hardware. And she went, oh, I get it now. Yeah, that's a great Easy. analogy. Easy as that. Okay, continuing on with the learning theme, I'm curious to know, you said you're always trying to learn something new. What did you learn this past week? So in this past week, I've kind of been relearning how to resolve and troubleshoot discovery errors. So we're onboarding and working with a new customer and they've got, you know, 708 to go through. So they're all, you know, we can group them first and find the, the most important ones and prioritize them again, according to the now value framework. But actually getting into the weeds of that and how do we address this specific one is something that I'm kind of going through again. So there's a lot of support documentation on there. There's some YouTube videos on the doc site as well. So I'm always referencing the official documentation and then going out to the community if I if I still need additional help. And discovery was one of the modules that I, I struggled with on the on-demand uh, course. So... Hmm. It's a complex product, and then you need the underlying yeah. infrastructure knowledge to be successful in it. Uh, and eventually, I, I had failed the on-demand test. So I paid for an instructor-led course, 
and went through it that way. And I was able to ask all the questions I needed and then close all the gaps in my knowledge. And then I was successful with the exam. So I think that a lot of people also need to forgive themselves. These tests are hard. This stuff is complex. So if you are unsuccessful that first time, take with the feedback you get from ServiceNow, work with your, your mentors or whoever you know in the ecosystem and try again and forgive yourself, move on and, and try again. Every failure is a learning opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the concept of forgiving yourself might be what you answer this question as, because the last question I had for the day was (laughs) what words of advice do you have for new developers that are listening to your episode? Sure. It's okay to fail. That's probably the first thing. So as long as you learn and grow each time, it is okay to fail. Just try to get better. It's also okay to look back and cringe at your previous work. <laughs> Everything, you know, the module changes so much. So I, you know, I've built stuff that is now in service now just out of the box. That's going to happen to you and that's okay. You're going to look back and say, oh, that data structure is terrible. And you're going to be right. But at the time, I just know that you were going through it and you were basing your decisions on all of the uh, the information you had at that time. And that's how you got there. Uh, another thing that I go through is a lot of times if I see something in somebody else's implementation and I don't know why they made those choices, I always assume I, I wasn't in the meeting and I didn't hear that business decision or something like that. So I try to understand as much as I can before saying this is a teardown and rebuild or anything like that. Uh, It's also okay to ask for help every single day. I do that every day. I'm asking for help. And I'm also saying things like, I don't know every single day, even at this level, even with my experience. But I also follow that up by saying, if I say I don't know, I will tell them I'm going to get that answer and I'll tell you by when. So those are the, the big things that it's okay to fail. It's okay to ask for help. And it's okay to say, I don't know. But make sure you'll say you'll find the answer. You stole my recap. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) That's all right. I'm glad you did it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us, Chris. Lots of great information, lots to chew on. And uh, I think we may be fine-tuning the questions in the future. There were some dandies in here that I just love the answers, and I want to hear more from our other guests. Mm -hmm. But before we let you go... Can you let the listeners know how they can get in touch with you? Sure. You can find me on LinkedIn. Just look for the ServiceNow Magician, or you can just type in my name, Chris Shu, and that last name is spelled S-C-H-U-H. One more time, that's S-C-H-U-H. And feel free to add me on LinkedIn and we can connect. I'm always around to help out anybody that's in the ServiceNow ecosystem. I looked for the ServiceNow Magician on LinkedIn, but it disappeared. Then I waved my hands and it came back. Amazing. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us, Chris. And thank you, wonderful listener, for joining us and putting up with the bad humor today. Wow, this one was a real stinker, wasn't it? No, it was good. Those are great dad jokes. I love them. It's hard to find a good one. Don't forget to check out the other ServiceNow podcasts. You can find them all at servicenow.com slash community under the events menu. You can subscribe to this podcast for free and get it automatically delivered to you. You'll find that wherever you find your favorite podcasts on the internet. Breakpoint is brought to you by ServiceNow. Executive producers are me and Lauren. And to find out more about the ServiceNow developer program, you know where to go. It's developer.servicenow.com. 
Again, thank you so much, Chris, for joining and sharing with us today. Well, thank you both for having me. I really appreciate it. Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening. I think we're all set. You ready to go? I'm ready when you are. Let me type something in now. Oh, shoot. Make sure the little wheels on the cassette are turning. Yep. I need to go literally touch grass. What's coming up next? Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of work to get... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, Lauren. No, no. Finish your thought. Go for it. I could do that all day as long as I didn't have to edit it. Did the laugh not come through? You're the best type of person. Oh, yes. That's true. Yeah. I think we got a really good show here. Heck Heck yeah. yeah. I think it'll be fine. I'm done. Me too. Yeah, I think so too.